You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Our application Sundays are something that we do uh, about every six weeks, and it's an opportunity for us to uh, re-look at some of our previous sermons over the past few weeks and really dive into more of an application approach of what it is that we're supposed to be doing with God's Word. So we want to be faithful here at Sovereign Hope to teach God's Word, to hear God's Word, and we also want to be known for the doing of God's Word. And so our application Sundays are an opportunity for us to just pause, to not just keep rolling through sermon after sermon after sermon, but to ask ourselves hard questions about, am I doing the things that I'm hearing? And so uh, we're going to jump into that today. So normally we would start our service with singing and worshiping together through that means, and we'll get to that later in the service today because we'll also partake of the Lord's Supper, which is something that we do uh, on our Lord's Supper days as w- or on our application Sundays as well. So uh, we look forward to doing that too, but we're going to jump right into uh, a teaching time this morning as we look back over our previous sermons and then start to look at some application. But uh, again, want to welcome you to our service today. Uh, by way of announcement, there's a couple of things that we want to make you aware of, and then Adam McLeod will do some reminders at the end of the service. But um, we are looking at trying to do a disciple now for our youth in, in a couple of weeks. And so I posted those dates. I, I know I got that information to you late, um, but we've been trying to put together and work out some details as far as transportation goes, because what we would love to do is have our middle school girls at one house, our middle school boys at another house, high school girls at one house, high school boys at another house. And so if you've never done a disciple now, it's an opportunity for youth to come together for the weekend. There's some small group teaching and discussion. There's some large group uh, teaching and worship together. We actually would join up with some other churches at New Hope North uh, in Fayetteville and Uh, have some worship and teaching there together. We've got some activities that we would like to plan for our youth too. Um, And so we're trying to figure out if it's viable and doable on such short notice. So if you haven't signed up, we encourage you to do that on the realm. So it just gives us an idea of how many people are looking to participate so we can determine if it's something that we can can do. Alex and Jessica are also going to reach out uh, individually too, just to try to get a good hard number because the deadline for registering here is pretty quick. So Um, be thinking about that, talking about that as a family to see if you'd like to participate. We also have our men's retreat coming up to Snowbird uh, in uh, towards the end of March, March 22nd and 23rd and 24th. And uh, we're excited about all the men that are signed up to go on that. We do have a couple of spots open. So if you're not signed up and your plans have changed and you would like to go, then we would love to have you come. Um, But we are going to have a meeting Right after our service next Sunday. So all the men that are going, we encourage you to stick around. We're going to do just an information meeting to make sure everybody's on the same page about uh, how to get there, what to take, what we're doing once we're there so that everybody kind of understands a good feel for the weekend. So I encourage you to be a part of that if you're signed up to be a part of our men's retreat uh, next Sunday. All right. Um, Today, we're also starting something new with our application Sunday in that we want to have some designated kid time for application. And so normally uh, we're going to have two classes. My wife's out sick today, so we're just going to have one class. They're going to be combined together uh, with Adam McLeod. So if you've got kids that are in kindergarten through fifth grade, so that's our kids club range kids, and they would like to be a part of our kids application class this morning, then you guys are dismissed now to go meet uh, Mr. Adam in the back and he's got some activities planned for you, so we're excited about that today. And we're going to bring our kids back in at the end of our teaching time to be a part of our singing and Lord's Supper together. 
So we're excited for our kids to have some special time today as they work through the sermons that they've been sitting and listening to. Um, So our kids normally sit in here and listen and go right along with us. And it's always encouraging to me when I hear from you as parents about what your kids are getting and what they're hearing and how they're looking to kind of talk through that at home. And so we're excited to give them some designated application time today too. All right, I'm going to open us up in prayer and then we're going to jump back into where we've been over the last five weeks. So let's pray together. God, we love you. We praise you and we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you so much for the ways that you have uh, provided for us as a church family. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for um, all that you're doing and uh, the ways that you're working in our midst. Um, Even as we face various trials, Lord, we thank you that um, you're sustaining us through those and that you're giving guidance and direction and wisdom as needed as we face various temptations, Lord. We're thankful that you always create that way of escape. And uh, Lord, we just ask and pray that you would continue to uh, sustain our faith as you test it. Uh, Lord, help us to demonstrate the trust in you that brings you glory and honor. And uh, Lord, as we uh, look into your word today to remind ourselves of things that you've been teaching us and things that we've heard over the past several weeks, Lord, I pray that you would uh, remind us and uh, Lord, give us a, a desire to apply the things that we've heard. Uh, Lord, help us to be faithful doers of the word and not hearers only. And uh, Lord, we just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to uh, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> the way we're going to group our um, recap and, and application today is to look at our sermon series uh, separately in the sense of uh, normally I would have taught five sermons that kind of all fit together and, and then we would jump into application, but I got sick during this series and so uh, Tyson and Marcus jumped in and were able to fill in. And so I'm going to look at their two sermons briefly at the beginning and then transition to the three-part series that I did on just some things that we believe as a church. We're kind of doing a reset right now on, on us as a church because we just came out of a long sermon series in the book of Exodus And we're about to transition to a long sermon series in the book of Acts. And so we're excited about both of those things coming up, or excited about where we've been and where we're going. Uh, And in between, we've just been kind of looking at ourselves as a church and who we are and what we believe. And so we'll take a look at that again today. But Tyson taught us several weeks ago from Colossians chapter 3. And I want to read to you the text for the day, uh, verses 1 through 4. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so uh, Tyson's summary sentence for this week was, since Christ is the source of our salvation, the believer has been given a new identity, mentality, assurance, and future through their union in him. And so while Marcus and Tyson didn't have a part in the series that I was teaching, what they ended up teaching very much fits with the overall theme of what we've been looking at. Uh, the union with Christ that comes through the gospel, right? Our uh, relationship to the church and the ways that we serve each other. That's where uh, Marcus will, and we'll see it in a minute, where Marcus took us in the book of James that our faith ought to have an outworking in the ways that we serve each other. And then pointing us to this great hope of the future that we have 
when Jesus returns, right? And so uh, what we're seeing is this three-part pillar of how important the gospel is, right? It's the way that we're saved, how important the church is. It's the way that we grow and become conformed to the image of Christ. It's, it's really the tool that God uses to keep us in the faith, right? The Holy Spirit indwells us, but we're never meant to be in isolation away from the church. The church together works to keep us progressing in our faith. And then we're pointing to this idea of Jesus coming back when our salvation comes to this, this climactic end where we're glorified and we dwell with him forever. And so because of that union with Christ, we are given that new identity, a new mentality, new assurance, and a new future with him. Marcus took us to James chapter 2. So if you want to flip over there, James chapter 2, verse 14. And his summary sentence said, A mind regularly set on what is above will ensure our faith does not reside there in our minds only, but is also seen visibly through our obedience and sacrificial acts of love and compassion. The idea being that if we are in the faith, if we truly have union with Christ, then it's not just a mental thing. It's not just a inward thing where we've put our faith and trust in him, but there's outward action. There's outward examples of how we're living out that faith. <clears throat> James chapter two, verse 14 talks about what this looks like. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. What's the, what's the point of this passage? Well, it's, it's, it's showing us what it looks like to be different than the demons. That was a point that, that Marcus drew out during his sermon is that demons believe in God, but there is no act of service towards him, right? So they have a, a knowledge that God exists, but they do not submit themselves to him. And so the difference for us as Christians is that we believe these things about God, and then that translates to our daily action. There's submission that takes place where we, we worship and serve him, right? Um, so let's jump back several weeks ago to the beginning of this five-part uh, sermon uh, where we looked at the gospel here at Sovereign Hope. What do we believe here at our church? What do we believe here at our church? Well, we said that Sovereign Hope holds to a gospel foundation of worshiping Jesus as the fulfillment of God's saving story, a story that you invites us to come in faith, to receive his eternal grace and mercy, and calls us to spread joy and contentment in him. So that gospel message unites us back to what we were seeing in both Tyson and Marcus's sermons, that there's a union in Christ 
that's needed for our salvation. The gospel hinges on Jesus Christ, his person, his work, what he's done for us. And then it, it brings us to this point now where we live differently. We live in these acts of service where we seek to live out our faith towards others. We spread joy and contentment in him. So the gospel is all about us coming to worship Jesus, that he's the fulfillment of God's saving story. We see this theme of Jesus, the Messiah, running from Genesis all the way through Revelation. And it's a story that we're invited to join in on, a story that invites us to come in faith, to receive his grace and mercy, and then to live for him going forward. We said that the gospel is God's plan of salvation that maximizes the person and work of Christ and shows the extraordinary love that God has for us, right? Like, we have value as image bearers of God. We have value as human beings, not because of anything that we've done or anything that we are beyond what Christ declares about us. God gives us our value in that he creates us and then chooses to love us, right? And so we see this extraordinary love that God has because he's always working for our salvation. And that working for our salvation is done through sending Jesus The gospel is the good news that the just and gracious God of the universe, we learned about this just and gracious God of the universe in the book of Exodus. He's looked upon hopelessly sinful people and sent his son Jesus, God in flesh, to attain righteousness, to be perfect on our behalf, to bear God's wrath against sin on the cross, and to show his power over sin in the resurrection so that all who have faith in him will be reconciled to God forever. What are some key truths that we, we talked about believing here at our church? One, that Christ is the focal point of the gospel, right? His humanity. The Bible reveals Jesus as one who came and took on human form. He became a man. He can sympathize with us. He's our high priest because he knows what we go through. He's God in flesh, so he doesn't give up his deity by becoming human. He, he retains his deity and yet becomes human. And by becoming human, he demonstrates perfection. He keeps the law. He does everything that we can't do. And then sacrifices himself, dies in our place to atone for our sins. And then he's brought back to life, giving us a hope of resurrection ourselves, that he is coming back for us. Repentance and faith are key points of the gospel too, that it's not of our works, but of our response to what Christ has done. Now, we just read a conflicting passage maybe in your minds of, well, James talks about that we're justified by our works, right? Well, what James is teaching is that works will flow from a true salvation, that if we've truly given our lives to Christ, we've truly put our faith and trust in him, we will then begin to work for him, right? We will no longer work for, for what we want. We will work for what he desires. And so, Certainly works flesh themselves out in our salvation, but we don't earn our salvation through working uh, and doing good things. But those things certainly flow out of true salvation. Perseverance. We talked about here at our church, we don't believe that you can lose your salvation. But we do believe that you will always demonstrate your salvation. In some form or fashion, true salvation gets demonstrated. And so we talked a little bit that week um, about how um, some people believe that you can lose your salvation. We believe that you can't. Oftentimes, we're, we're really trying to say the same thing in the sense of what we, what we also believe is that you can't claim to be a Christian and then have no evidence or no works, no, no demonstrations of faith. You can't just claim to believe in God like the demons and then have no submission to him, right? So people who say, 
you can lose your salvation, uh, kind of leave this, this, this caveat of, hey, if you, if you claim to be a Christian and then you walk away from the faith, well, that doesn't work. That doesn't jive. You can't do that. So you must have lost it. We would say you never really had it, right? You never really had it because true Christians persevere, right? The one who is faithful, the one who calls us is faithful, and he will surely do it, the Bible teaches us. He will bring us to that end goal of salvation. He starts a work, he finishes the work. So we believe in perseverance here at our church, that you can't lose your salvation, but you will demonstrate your salvation. A promised process that God will call us and he will complete the work in us. And then there's a proclamation piece. We believe that we're called to proclaim the supremacy of God to the world, that we're to model joy and contentment in him as our greatest mission. And so I challenge you application-wise this week to examine yourselves, to make sure you're in the faith, to make sure you're holding tightly to this gospel, to, take, uh, to be committed to taking precaution in your life to keep yourself in the faith, right? To, to make sure first that you're in the faith, that you've truly accepted Christ and you're following him, and then to take precaution in your life to make sure that you keep following him. And there's certainly things that we can do in our life precautionary-wise to make sure that we don't fall away from the faith. Right? The book of Hebrews warns us over and over again, don't fall away from the faith. Don't fall away from the faith. But one of the ways that we don't fall away from the faith is we stay aligned to a local church. Right? The local church helps keep us in the faith. And so the last point of application was we said be intentional. If you ever leave Sovereign Hope, if you ever depart from this local church, for those that are members here, if you ever leave, make sure you align yourself with a faith community that will keep you holding fast. It's so important to be in the faith and then to stay in the faith. And we do that through the local church, which leads us to our second part of the sermon that I taught, the church life here at Sovereign Hope. The church, both the universal church and the local church, is God's ordained and established means of grouping and growing his people to know him, to trust him, to obey him, and to proclaim him to the present and coming generations until he returns. Universal church, we mean all believers of all time. Local church, we mean something like what we're experiencing right here today. The universal church, all of God's people, the local churches where we see that embodiment, that's how God has established for us to be grouped, to grow together, to know him more, to trust him more, to obey him, to proclaim him to this generation and to the generations that are to come. Note that the New Testament never, never conceives of a Christian existing on a prolonged basis outside of fellowship with the local church. We're called to be a part of the local church. We're called to invest ourselves in the local church. We need the community. We need the fellowship. We need the grouping to grow together. Why? For practical application. The local church is, is where we live out the commands given to us. All these New Testament commands that we see, things that we're to do to one another, we're to live that out in the local church. Spiritual leadership. The local church is where we gain wisdom and insight for how to practically live and make decisions daily. We need elders, we need deacons, we need small group leaders, we need mature Christians. Like all of, all of the church working together, formal leadership, informal leadership, we need uh, mature Christians that are guiding us and directing us and moving us towards spiritual maturity. 
personal accountability. The local church is the community that we lean into that will also lean back into us to keep us holding fast. Why do we need to be a part of a local church? Because we need the community. We need the accountability. Because if left to ourselves, we will wander. If left to ourselves, we will get distracted by the things of this world. If left to ourselves, we'll stop longing for the return of Jesus. We talked about uh, an additional part of our church life here at Sovereign Hope. We talked about our name a little bit and how the concept of Sovereign Hope is really how we get through life. The idea that God is sovereign, that he's in control of everything, that he's working good. The hope piece is that we believe he's coming back. The good God is coming back. Sovereign hope. We trust that God is in control and he's working everything for the good of his children. The hope is that he's coming back, that he will return. And that should be a common theme that you hear regularly here in our sermons. A belief in a sovereign God who's, who's working things for his purposes. A God who's revealed that his purposes are for the good of his children. And we told you, and we've been telling you for the past several weeks, we planted this church because we wanted it to be a place where you're regularly hearing, Jesus is coming back. That's our hope as Christians. Jesus is coming back. And so application-wise, I challenge you to evaluate your pursuit of fellowship, discipleship, and accountability. Those are, those are three pillars that kind of make up the church. The fellowship piece, the community piece, the discipleship piece is that growth piece, how we, we come to know God more and how we're being conformed to his image. The accountability piece is the piece that, that keeps us doing those things, keeps us in fellowship, keeps us in discipleship. I challenge you to make sure that you're pursuing those three things here in this church. <clears throat> Not to just check off a box, but to make sure that you hold fast until Jesus comes back. And so, you know, we've talked about, like, we've got a lot of different things you can jump in and be involved in here at our church. Lots of different opportunities different large settings, small settings, ways to kind of get in and get to know people. Uh, We encourage you to explore what works for your family. We know that calendars and schedules sometimes conflict with what we're doing here at this church, and we know you can't be at everything, uh, but we ask you to kind of evaluate what do I need to be at to make sure that I'm holding fast till Jesus comes back. What level of accountability and spiritual leadership and fellowship and community do I need, and how do I get that from this local church. We talked about evaluating your participation in these things to make sure that you're not just getting, but you're also giving, right? Like, it's not just about coming to this church and getting what you need. You need to be able to give what others need too. So others need your fellowship. Others need your discipleship. Others need your accountability too. And so all of us working together we keep each other holding fast. That's what church life is supposed to look like, right? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. It's an important passage that relates to us how important it is to be gathering and meeting together for these purposes. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See that demonstration of church life that we're to hold fast to the gospel, hold fast to the confession of our hope, to hold fast to the fact that Jesus is coming back, to not waver in that, to keep in mind that he who promised is faithful 
And then to see a role that we have in the church, to consider how to stir each other up, to love and to good works, to meet together, to not neglect it. And we'll see people in our life sometimes neglect it. That's the habit of some, to neglect it. But we want to fight to keep doing it so that we can encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, one of the ways that we, and I failed to mention this at the beginning of the sermon, one of the things that we do with our application Sunday is we want to increase the time that we have for fellowship, the chance to get to know one another. We've got people visiting. We've got people who are in the membership process, people that have just recently become members. Sometimes it's hard to keep track of everybody that's coming and going in our church. And so what we do on application Sunday is when we get done, we're going to invite you to stay for lunch today. We've got, we've got pizza, we've got salad, we've got water, we've got an opportunity for you to just hang out after our service and get to know one another more, to encourage one another more, to build fellowship. And so it's great for visitors. If you're visiting with us and this is your first Sunday, we'd love for you to stick around. We'd love for you to have lunch with us. If you are a long-standing member here, we'd like for you to stay too because there's people who have come that, that need you and need to get to know you to be a part of this church, church life at Sovereign Hope. And then lastly, last week we looked at our hope, our specific hope, the idea of the second coming of Christ, that he is returning. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That, that's the gospel, right? The grace of God has appeared. That's Jesus. Jesus has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. How? Because he's perfect for us. He's the sacrifice for us. He's the resurrection that gives us hope. Verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. He's coming, and he's coming for those who are waiting for him. He's coming for those who long to see him. And one of the ways that we know that we're in that category of people who long for him and are waiting to see him is that we're renouncing ungodliness. We're turning from our worldly passions. We're living self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. That's how we wait for him, our blessed hope, is by turning to him now, worshiping and serving him now. Our summary sentence is that we, we, we long for this hope. The second coming is our ultimate hope for our future and for our present because the promised return of Jesus gives us something glorious to long for but it also gives us cause for joy and contentment today. The second coming isn't something that we just look forward to and just say, hey, that's going to gonna happen down the road. It's something that we long for today, and it should have daily implications for us. It should be shaping how we live our today. I told you last week what defines us as believers, because we'll use that term a lot, right? Believer, Christian, right? The term believer, what do we believe? Well, we believe that Jesus is alive. We believe in the resurrection and we believe he's coming again to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. That's what Hebrews 9, 27 and 28 says. It says he's coming back for those who are eagerly waiting for him. Our hope is that he is alive and he is coming. Now we talked last week about how to fully hope in the second coming 
necessitates that we're informed about the second coming, that we know some things about it, right? 1 Thessalonians 4 and 2 Thessalonians 2 are both passages where Paul's talking to fairly new believers. And he's saying, hey, there's some things you need to know. You need to know what happens to people who die that are Christians. What happens to them? Do we ever see them again? He says, you need to be informed about this. Then he goes on to say, hey, you need to be informed about the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness. You need to know about him. You need to know about the threat that's coming. You need to know about the deception that's coming. You need to be prepared for it. You also need to know that we win. You also need to know that Jesus comes back and wins the whole shebang, right? He's victorious. He defeats evil. He defeats Satan. He defeats all the deception. For us to really long for Jesus to come back, I mean, you got you to you know about it. Like you got you to want it, right? Like, um, if you've ever been on a trip that you've maybe never been to this place before. Sometimes it may be hard to get really excited if you don't know a whole lot about it, right? Like I just got back this week from taking 75 eighth graders to Disney World, right? Like that's, that, that's a task in and of itself. And we always have a group of kids who've never been before and don't really know anything about it. And then you got these veteran kids. Like we've got one kid who self-proclaimed that he's been to Disney 60 times already in his life. That's unfathomable. Like, I don't know how you can get there that many times, right? So you got like super veteran who I basically said, hey, you can be my chaperone. Tell me where to go and what we need to do while we're here. Other people who've never been there before. You kind of see the longing and the anticipation from those kids who know what they're going to experience this week, right? Like they're looking forward to, they'll talk about different rides and experiences that they can't wait to get to. Others are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. What, Guardians of the Galaxy, what makes that ride so awesome, right? They're just like oblivious to it. When we talk about the second coming, our longing for it increases the more that we're knowledgeable about what it is we're going to experience, right? Like to know for certain, to have assurance, to have awareness of what it means for Jesus to come back and for him to bring his, our loved ones with him. What does it mean for us to have new bodies that don't sin anymore, that don't experience hurt and death anymore, to like meditate on those truths, to know the inner workings of how all this is going to play out. Now, we talked about how there's still so much mystery to the second coming, right? Like what you won't experience here at our church is a bunch of definitive statements about things that we just absolutely believe are going to happen when Jesus comes back as it relates to like timing or uh, specific nuances of it. What you will find here at this church is that we absolutely believe that Jesus is coming back. We absolutely believe that our loved ones are coming with him. We absolutely believe that when he comes, he's putting an end to all the bad things that we experience on this earth, that he's recreating everything. You will absolutely hear us teach that we get to be with Jesus forever going forward. Those are simple statements for me to make. Those things have great depth. The more that we meditate on those things and the more we see those things in Scripture, That's our hope. He's coming back to fully hope in it. We need to know about it. We need to be informed about what the Bible teaches because we want the return of Jesus to shape our daily perspectives. We want to experience increased purity in our life because we believe Jesus is coming back. We want to be ready. We want to be found waiting eagerly for him. We want to to experience a new reality that we believe he's coming back so it changes how we live today. We, We looked at 1 Corinthians 6 last week Remember, that's the passage where 
Paul is rebuking the church because they're taking each other to court. They're suing one another and trying to get unbelieving judges to reconcile disputes between believers. And Paul says, why would you not have the church do that? Why would you not have your spiritual leaders sit down with you and try to work this out? Because that's what it looks like when Jesus comes back. When Jesus comes back, like Christians are all that are left and they're the ones that are ruling the world. He said, go ahead and act like that now. Like resolve your disputes in house as much as you can, right? So it's a picture of because I believe that this is coming, I'm gonna go ahead and start living like that now as much as I can. Believing the fact that Jesus is coming back changes how I live today. We also talked about how the return of Jesus should shape how we persevere right now. There should be an eagerness and a hopefulness that's apparent to others, right? A hopefulness when we lose people, that we grieve, but the Bible teaches we grieve not as those who have no hope. But there's also a picture that we're eagerly waiting for Jesus, even though we go through trials and temptations and difficulties, that we're not known as people who just kind of go through life grumbling and complaining and are dissatisfied. But because we believe he's a sovereign God, because we believe he's a good God, there's a joy and contentment that's evident to others, right? Perseverance doesn't just mean consistency. It means contentment too, a contentment in the God that we're persevering for. I used the illustration last week. Um, Some of the same McDonald's workers have been there over the past decade since we started this church. I study there regularly. I've seen them. They've been there for 10 plus years. They are consistently on that payroll. They're not the most content people that you experience. Now, I will brag on them a little bit last night because I did. I told you last week, two weeks ago, I went for lunch and had to demand a refund because we were 30 minutes into the wait and there was no signs of food coming. Last night, I had a pretty good experience there. We got done moving. We've moved all of our stuff out of our old house. New house isn't quite set up to cook or have meals. And so I said, hey, family, let's go to McDonald's. And they all looked at me and said, really? Like, we're going to try this again? And I said, hey, I got, I got, I got, it can't be bad as, as it was. And so we had a pretty good experience last night, right? Um, but when we talk about perseverance, it's not just about consistency. We could certainly wait for Jesus and try to do it with a grumbling and a complaining and a dissatisfied mindset. That's not what we're called to. We are called to model. Others are to look into our life and see this joyful contentment that we're waiting for him. And wow, we are content with him right now because we believe he's good. Told you last week, be evaluating your purity, your priorities. Make sure that you're gauging your anticipation of his coming. To be prayerful, to pray for yourself and to pray for others to remain faithful until he comes. We see the heart of Paul praying in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5-12. through 12. He's praying for faithfulness. To be encouraged that as believers, he will answer this prayer. 1 Corinthians 4 says he will answer the prayers for us to remain faithful. And then I challenged you last week as well, Revelation 22, verse 20, to pray yourself for Jesus to come. Told you when you hear somebody pray that prayer, it oftentimes alerts you and says, oh, wow, what if Jesus does come back today? But we ought to be praying, longing, so anticipatory that he will come. Man, I want him to come. I'm gonna pray for him to come, right? Be praying for Jesus to come as a way to remind yourself regularly that he is. Now, as we close out our time, I want to give you three things to remember, three things to do, okay? Three things to remember from our series, three things to do in response to it as well. Number one, the gospel emphasizes the work of Christ, 
demonstrates God's extraordinary love for us and calls us to be fully devoted to him. Those are key components to the gospel. The gospel is all about Jesus. It's not about what we do. It's what Jesus did. There's great love shown to us, right? Like we should appreciate the extraordinary love that God demonstrates for us and it should result in us being fully devoted to him. The gospel, it's about Christ. It's about God working for our salvation and it's about our response to him, being fully devoted to him. Number two, the church will always remain a staple in the life of true Christians because it is the primary means for God keeping us faithful to him. The church will always remain a staple in the life of true Christians because it's the primary means for God keeping us faithful to him. For our, for our young people, <clears throat> and we only have the older young people here today, so our kids are out. We've got uh, our youth in here today. I'm going to tell you, I think the first year out of high school is one of the most important years in your church life development. That first year where you're kind of out from underneath your parents being the ones to tell you to go, and you really have to decide, am I going to buy into the importance of the local church? I remember being up at Liberty my first year, freshman year. I had gotten involved in campus church, and there was a Wednesday night where some buddies, and I grew up going to church. We went Sunday morning. We went Sunday night. We went Wednesday night. And I remember a group of my buddies said, hey, we should go to the movies this Wednesday night. And I was like, oh, oh, guys, we cannot. Like, we have church. We must be at campus church this night. And they were like, bro, we don't have to go every time. Like, nobody's checking. Like, we don't have to do it. And I was like, kind of looked around, and I was like, let's do it. I want to see this movie. And so we went. And, and I remember thinking, like, hey, that's not sinful that I missed church and went. But, but I did feel a conviction of, hey, I got to keep that in check because it would be real easy to stop going. It'd be real easy to just phase this out of my life. And I'm going to encourage our young people. Like, there's coming a day where you're going to have that moment where, where it really boils down to, do I still have to go anymore? Like, I've been told all my life I have to go, but this group of people aren't going and they seem just fine. That first year out of high school, that first year out from mom and dad, it's one of the most important years of your life when it comes to deciding, am I going to be a part of church or not? I'm here to tell you, the church isn't going away, right? There are Christians that will fall away, but the church has been here far too long. It's not going away. And true Christians will remain aligned to the local church. So hear me, young people, like for you to keep living out your faith, there will never come a day where the church is outdated and we do it differently. The church is here to stay. May it be that you stay too. Whether it's here or another like-minded church, may it be that you always stay with that body of believers. You need them. You need them to make it to the end, right? Lastly, number three, the return of Jesus is the climax of our hope in a sovereign God who always works good because to be with him is our greatest good. He's a good God. He's always been faithful to us, and that will climax. That will come to this great, great ending when Jesus comes back, and we will see all of his goodness, and we will experience all of his goodness, because the greatest good is to be with him. All right, so what do we do with these things? We want to remember these things. What do we do with these things? Number one, make sure you do your part to work out your salvation and remain in the faith by making daily decisions that reflect obedience to him. All right, the gospel calls us to live for him on a daily basis. Let me encourage you to look at your daily life, the decisions that you're making. Do they reflect obedience to him? 
Make sure you do your part, right? The gospel is all about Jesus. Salvation is all about the work of Jesus, but there's a part we play in working it out. We make daily decisions that reflect obedience to him. Number two, make sure you are committed to growing yourself and growing others through the local church to reflect membership in the big capital C church, right? Part of the way that you know that you're a part of God's global church is that you're involved in a local church. Be committed to a local church. Grow yourself there and help grow others there too. You have a chance to do that here at Sovereign Hope. Evaluate yourself. Am I doing that here? Number three, make sure you are increasing in your capacity to remain encouraged and to encourage others on the grounds of Christ's certain return. Are you increasing in your knowledge and awareness of what the Bible teaches about the coming of Jesus? Are you doing it in such a way where you're remaining encouraged when you see the world deteriorating around you? Are you you falling in love with the returning Jesus more and more because you're seeing what the Bible teaches about it? Are you increasing your knowledge about the return of Jesus so that you can encourage others about the return of Jesus too? I want to give you a couple of resources as a means of application going forward for how you can increase your knowledge and awareness about the return of Jesus. It's important that, that we're, we're filling our minds and filling our hearts with this anticipation that Jesus is coming. The book on the left, they have the same author. The book on the left is extremely hard to find these days. Um, I've got a copy or two. Uh, I went on Amazon today, and I think people were selling it used for like $48. I've seen it go way higher than that too. Um, and it's like a really thin book. Like it's not, it's not one you would think should cost 50, 60 bucks. Uh, it's one of the best books that I've ever read on the return of Jesus though. Um, if you can get your hands on one, let me encourage you to do so. The one on the right um, is a little bit more readily available. It's by the same author. I've looked at it. I haven't read it. It's a little bit bigger, uh, but it's gonna contain most of the information that you find on the one on the left. Uh, it, it's a great, easy read. Um, I think it will... Uh, increase your heart's desire for Jesus to come. Um, and so I'd encourage you to take a look at one of those resources uh, if you have a desire right now through the means of reading a book. Uh, I've referenced this, um, this material before in the past too. It's a video that you can find on YouTube. If you just Google Evening in Eschatology, it'll come up. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to preface it. It's like two plus hours long. So I've, I've always watched it in phases and stages. Gets a little bit more in depth with what the Bible teaches, but you'll find these three men have three different perspectives and views about what it looks like for Jesus to come back, and they do a great job of dialoguing about that and, and informing you of what the Bible teaches and how to interpret some of those things. So I'd encourage you to, look, to take a look at this too. These are two helpful resources that may help you as you're trying to apply what we're talking about, and that is let me, let me know more about this return of Jesus so that I can be encouraged and so I encourage others as well. Well, I'm going to pray for us, and um, we're going to transition. Marcus is going to come and, and lead us in a time of partaking of the Lord's Supper. If you didn't pick up elements in the back, I'm going to bring those around to you, so don't panic if you don't have them. Um, but this is an opportunity. Why do we do the Lord's Supper on Application Sundays? Because all of today is about doing what we hear in God's Word, and the, um, the partaking of the Lord's Supper is an act of obedience. We're called to do this. We're called to do this until Jesus comes back. And when we partake, what we're proclaiming to everyone is that we are still saying yes to Jesus, that we still submit to Jesus, that we still want to follow 
Jesus. So we've got baptism that's meant to be a one-time thing. Lord's Supper, it's meant to be an ongoing thing, and it serves as a public means of encouragement to know that others are saying yes to Jesus too. And so we get to partake of that today. So we're going to do that. It won't fill you up, right? And that's why we're inviting you to stay for pizza and salad after that. So you're going to start to get hungry, and uh, we'd love for you to stick around afterwards and have some extended fellowship with us too as part of our application Sunday as well. Let me pray for us. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you uh, for your goodness. Thank you for being a God who's in control. Thank you for being a God who chooses to use his control for the good of us as your children. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the gospel that doesn't require us to be good, that instead provides the good that we need through the work of your son. Lord, thank you for the local church. Thank you for the reminders that we've seen in scripture that we need each other, that we need to to not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. And as Yvonne and, and Bobby are an example of this, like if we neglect it, it hurts us. It puts us in a, in a position of, of danger. And so God, we, we thank you that we have the local church and God, we pray that you would keep us holding fast to you through the means of the local church where we find spiritual leadership, where we find fellowship, where we find accountability. Lord, I pray that this church would continue to be a place where people can find that and Lord, as, as you call people away from this church, Lord, we pray, that we, we would, or we pray that they would find it somewhere else quickly. They would not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but all the more as they see the day approaching and drawing near, they would cling to you by clinging to the local church. And God, we thank you for the reminders and the hope that you've given us that Jesus is coming back. We praise you and thank you for that. And Lord, we partake of the Lord's Supper today as an act of obedience And we do so in anticipation. There's coming a day where we won't do this anymore. God, keep us eagerly waiting for the return of your son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.